welcome to the Trial Lawyer Podcast. My name is Gabriel White of the law firm of White and & Garner. And today on the podcast, my partner Dan Garner and I discuss opening statements, what particular rules apply to them, how they fit into trial strategy, and how you can make yours more effective and help persuade your jury a lot earlier on. Um, so I hope you enjoy and uh, take a listen. You know, a lot of people get confused because they, they call it opening statements and closing as opposed to closing arguments and the difference between those two things. Dan, do you want to go yeah. over that a little bit? Yeah, so with opening statements, uh, there's two things I think that are most important. First is it's really your it's your first impression with the jury. Now you've done voir dire, voir dire, as they would say in <laughs> Lubbock, Texas. Um, but in that situation, I think that up until the point a juror is selected to be to be in the panel, I don't know if they're paying attention. Their focus is as high, and so the but when they first walk in that room. They they get their notebook. They sit down. They've had some instructions from the judge at that point. Um, now it's like, okay, this is the beginning of of my jury service. And so, the big thing that I like to do and remember with opening statements is one, it's your first impression with the jury, and it's the first impression they're going to have of the case, and so. And that ties into the second rule is that you're wanting to present just a, an overview of what your case is about. You're you're not trying. You're not really getting in. You're not arguing, right? There's a difference. There's some argument there, but mostly it's the evidence will show X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. Now some people think that they have to make the statement the evidence will show every single time uh they start a new sentence i would advise against that i think if you say it once and you don't even necessarily need to say it once but if you're really worried about getting an objection from opposing counsel uh you know throw it in at the beginning and then and then go from there uh, so, and I think, but again, you, it's all about communication. It's about making sure the jury understands what your case is about. And if you, I would advise you putting, making a statement of what the case is about, you should be able to do that in like a sentence. And if you can't, I don't necessarily think you know your case well enough yet. Because they want to go back to the jury room or the whole time they're thinking about the case, they're listening to witnesses. If you can have them thinking of basically this caveman version of what your case is about, uh, then you're going you're, you're gonna to win. Because they're going to be viewing your, the case through the prism of uh, you know, the trial that we just did. The white, the white dog tried to eat me. Right. Yeah. That was that was the statement of the trial. We 
said it in opening like four or five times. We brought it up in direct. Closing was part of closing. I mean, if they walk away, the jury walks away, that, that's what they know what that case is about. Well, and ostensibly, I mean, you, you pointed, you made a good point there. That ostensibly, the, you know, the big difference is that you're not supposed to argue in opening statement. Now, problem is, is that, it, you know, it's very difficult for anyone to tell the difference between argument and, you know, persuasive recitation of the facts. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think a much better distinction can be made by saying, okay, well, um, when you're when you're doing your opening statement, you should be focused on stating facts rather than on stating conclusions from facts. Now, this is, um, you know, it, that can be even more persuasive than than the conclusions because it allows the jury to kind of come to their own conclusions. But you know, jury study. Well, if you break them down too, if you break those statements down. I, I think you're absolutely right that it's it's more persuasive than arguing because if you if you can if you can present yourself as the as yes I'm a lawyer for this side but I'm the guy who's not really trying to I don't have an axe to grind I'm just here I'm I'm here presenting what the facts are and I'm comfortable enough with what those facts are that you can draw your own conclusions jury and I and I think if you can present it that way, like you, you, if you can present yourself like the adult in the room. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I think, I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it's almost a misnomer to say, you know, don't try and argue your case during opening because in a sense, what we're really are trying to do, I mean, all the jury studies that have come out have shown that, Jurors tend to make up their minds, even if they're told not to by the judge repeatedly, they tend to make up their minds very early in the case. So they, you know, have mentally, you know, voted. They pick a side. Yeah, they've essentially voted in their minds by the end of opening, oftentimes by the end of voir dire, as soon as they understand what the case is about. Now, if, you know, we'll probably do a section on voir dire um, at another time. But if you do your voir dire right, the jury really shouldn't come away with, you know, most of, a lot of attorneys think that voir dire is about trying to plant ideas in the jurors' heads that, you know, trying to tell them, make their argument for the first time. And really, you know, and that's one of the things that drives judges to be so restrictive about attorney-conducted voir dire. But realistically, the, um, you know, if, if you're doing that right, you're, you're really just trying, you're actually trying to do the opposite. You're trying to draw out those jurors who have either subconscious or hidden biases against your client and who are not going to be predisposed to your argument. In order to do that, a lot of times you have to kind of adopt an opposing posture or an opposing side to what you're actually going to be arguing at trial. But, um, you know, opening statements really should be about reciting facts that are going to come into evidence. Now, obviously, there's a couple things you can't do. For example, you can't reference anything with, that you don't have a good faith basis for believing it's going to come into evidence. And second, you can't... Um, for a couple reasons, right? I mean, well, first, it's against the rules. Yeah, and, it's, and, I mean, it's and unethical. Second, and secondly, 
if you're if you're saying, hey, this is the great thing that I'm going to put into evidence and it never comes in. The jury's jury going to be like, what happened there? Yeah, the jury could hold it against you. I mean, I, I'm again, I'm I'm not um, I don't really buy into the conventional wisdom that, you know, that you can say, well, hey. You know, the plaintiff said X, said that they were going to bring in X in opening. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you saw that they didn't. And so you should hold it against the lawyer. You can do that, obviously. And if, if there's a critical point where they said they were going to make, you know, you're going to, they were going to hear from some witness and that the defense decided on their own not to put them up, then obviously you can raise that in closing. But I think the most, I mean, the most powerful way to treat opening is that it is, argument but it's argument in the sense of the way we want arguments to be all the way up until closing which is you know when we're cross-examining a witness when we're you know when we're doing putting it in exhibits we don't necessarily want to get to conclusions because we don't want to prompt the other side to be able to explain or to identify you know hey here's where here's where the your problems are we want the other side to be you know, we want the jury to come to their own conclusions because it's much easier to, um, you know, convince if, if you can frame your arguments in a way that it convinces the jury that your case should prevail because it's consistent with principles they already believe in um, rather than having to convince them of some new principle or to get over some established prejudice, you're already halfway there because you're just saying, look, you don't, you don't have to change anything. You can, you can just agree with what I'm already saying. And so I will, you know, and I've made sure that when I've talked to my clients that, you know, these are details that are going to come in, but I try and get very detailed in my openings where I talk about, you know, and, and we'll, again, we'll get into these kind of tactics in a, in, in later uh, episodes, but you want to show, not tell you, you want to paint pictures for the jury and use really vivid imagery that allows them to put themselves in the place of your client, allows them to put themselves in the situation, or at least to see the situation in a more realistic way. It's one of the reasons why whenever I can, I always try and visit the scene of the accident or the incident before sitting down to try a case if I can, because there are always things that I will notice there that, um, make the, you know, that if I can explain them to the jury, make the scene more real for them. And if, if those are stated as facts and they're facts that, you know, are going to come into evidence, it doesn't matter how persuasive it is. It's just, you know, if you get an objection that you're arguing, say, your honor, you know, I said this, this is a fact. I said this, this is a fact. They're all facts and they're all going to come in. And, you know, if you get an objection, I, I agree with Dan. The easiest thing is to fall back once or twice on that. The evidence will show. But if you really are confining yourself to facts and not conclusions, you know, or not, you know, things that start with therefore or because or, you know, this is why, um, then the other side really, or the judge really doesn't have a basis to say, well, you're arguing. If you're just saying, you know, you're going to hear testimony from, you know, uh, uh, a, a young girl who was driving down the street and, um, was, was going to 
visit her grandmother. And I was very excited that day. And it was a beautiful day. And she pulled up to the intersection and stopped at the red light. And while she was waiting there, thinking about her grandmother, thinking about all the things they were going to do together, you know, then without warning, you know, a car slammed into her from behind. Um, you know, occasionally you'll get a defendant who's savvy enough about this to object to your word choice. And that usually works better if they've done it in advance and a motion in limine. But um, beyond that, I mean, you can say, well, Your Honor, all of these are facts that my client has testified to in their deposition and is going to testify to on the stand or that the defendant's going to testify to on the stand. So, you know, there's not really any basis for to claim that I'm arguing, even though, you know, that's really what you are, that, that are doing. The, the statement that you can't argue in opening statements is really a misnomer. I, I think it comes from the fact that we differentiate it from closing arguments that way. But really what it, what it means is that you can't, uh, come to conclusions or you can't connect the dots for the jury. All you can talk about is facts that you're going to prove, which is why kind of that classic statement in the opening and an opening statement is the evidence will show. And then, you know, followed by facts. And so as long as you're talking about evidence that, you know, will come in and that is going to be, um, you know, testified to that's going to be appropriate, that's not something that's going to mislead the jury or, you know, confuse them. Um, I, I, I think you're okay. And a lot of times, you know, opening statements can be a lot more persuasive than traditionally we've used them for. And I think that's a travesty precisely because the jury really is making up their minds very early on. By closing arguments, what your goal should be is, you, your goal should be to figure, well, there's probably some jurors that are on my side and there are some jurors who are not and there are some jurors that are closer to the middle. And what I want to do is I want to give uh, those jurors that are on my side arguments and, and points that they can use to convince the other jurors once they get back into the jury room. It's not really to convince anybody who's just dead set against you that you know this opinion they've formed is wrong because... As soon as they, they see you trying to do that, they're going to resist. That's a so normal that, That's impulse. a really good point is you, you're you essentially what you're doing is you're, you have jurors that are on your side and you're trying to arm them with things to say during deliberation, right? So I think. I mean, hope, this hopefully, during, a ton. hopefully during openings, you've still got some jurors that haven't made their minds up quite yet. But yeah, well, and. It, They've got impressions already. We're talking about when they go back to deliberation. So, yeah. And again, I think we sometimes as lawyers, we overcomplicate things. Uh, And I'm telling you that the simpler at the end of the day, we are communicators. So we have to we have to realize two things. One. A juror's uh, perception is mostly based on television of what's going to happen, right? And what their expectation is is mostly based on television. That's that's just the worldview that they have or books. Mm-hmm. And secondly is that I mean if you're in a nor we'll say a, a simple trial, 2 days. 
that's a lot of information. Yeah. That is a ton of information. And more than likely the juror is 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 going to latch on to little things and little statements. So in your closings and your openings, if you can be consistent with those statements, it's going to help them remember those statements and if they if they're just parroting what you I mean that's a win, right? So yeah. the simpler you can make it, I think you're the better you're going to be. Well, and exactly. I mean, I think that's correct. Uh, you know, you want to be I mean, everything you do at trial should be organized around a central theme. And a lot of times a theme is expressed in, you know, one line or one phrase or one concept. And so you want to be not only repeating that, you know, concept to the jury often, but you're also going to want to be, you know, reinforcing it with facts that lead them directly to one conclusion, which is that, you know, this is this is critical. And, you know, it, that's another reason why it's helpful to, you know, really know your jurisdictions really well, know what your jury pool is like as best you can, and to do a particularly thorough job on voir dire so that, not only are you able to hopefully weed out those jurors who aren't going to be fair to your client, but you also get a sense of where the jurors are coming from and get, you know, a chance to talk to them individually on their own so that you can get a feel for, okay, you know, this, this kind of stuff is going to go over well with them, whereas this other argument may not. And so, you know, to a certain extent, trial is a dynamic process. I mean, that's one of the reasons why... Sometimes I'll go into trial, uh, you know, oftentimes, especially if it's a short trial, I'll have a, a, a really rough outline of what my closing is going to be. But the closing ultimately gets written after all the evidence has come in so that I know exactly what I can talk about. And after I've got a feel for my jury and kind of where I think they're at, obviously, you can never be sure. And, you know, anybody who tells you they can predict exactly what a jury's going to do is is selling you something yeah they're probably selling they're probably trying to sell you something or you know are, are, are making something up but it's kind of like the lawyer who says they've never lost a case i mean that you know that means they've either well, that never, means you haven't tried enough. yeah they haven't tried enough cases or they've they've only you know uh tried two or three or or none at all and, and then there's this whole issue on how you define losing yeah well that's we've, yeah we've encountered quite the, a bit yeah that's 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 another good point i mean i i've had buddies who've said well yeah uh we we totally won that case we only got a two million dollar judgment entered against our client and i'm like wait what and they said well they were asking for 10 million so two million was a good result and I thought, uh, you know, I mean, I obviously I didn't say anything, but I thought, well, that's still a loss. I mean, your client was found liable and your whole goal was for them not to be found liable. So maybe it's a... <laughs> and it turns it, out they were only offering 100000 Yeah, maybe it's not a very bad loss, but it's still a loss. Anyway, opening statements, they're, they're a lot more fun than they're made out to be. And there's a lot more than you can do with them than you might expect and so we'd encourage you um next litigation uh 101 um uh presentation that we're doing here in salt lake city um as a fundraiser for the young lawyers division of the bar is going to be uh next month um on the let me see if i have that flyer handy 
and I don't. But um, you can find it on the Utah Bar website. Email Gabe at gabriel.white at utahtriallawyers.com yeah, if you're can, interested in the date, and he will send it to and you. And I can send it to you. That That's a great idea. And uh, show up, and you'll get a far more in-depth uh, discussion, and we may go over some uh, some advanced techniques after we get done. But... Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Trial Lawyer Podcast. Um, you can subscribe, of course, on Apple's iTunes. Uh, you can also get the raw audio files on our uh, podcast website, which is saltlaketrialattorney.com. You can also find out a lot more there about uh, those of us who participate in making the podcast, uh, what we're up to, and uh, see some news from various law firms involved. Um, so check it out, and uh, feel free to leave us any comments. Let us know uh, what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear about, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>